Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Fin Weekly, where I provide weekly updates on what's happening in the world of finance and the economy. My name is Steve Coffrin, and today is Wednesday, August 9th, 2023, and we have a lot of important things to talk about, so let's go ahead and dive right in. First up, major news from UBS as they revealed their plans for a major restructuring of the Credit Suisse Group's investment banking workforce. Specifically, they're aiming to cut more than 60% of positions held by employees working in the Asia-Pacific region. There's talks that UBS plans to let go of around 80% of Credit Suisse's Hong Kong-based investment bankers this week and as many as 200 positions held by UBS Asia-based experts. As part of this maneuver, UBS wants to keep over 100 of Credit Suisse investment bankers in various parts of Asia, expanding their focus on more places outside of Hong Kong. Since their merger with Credit Suisse, UBS has grown to a whopping 120,000 employees, but they're planning to shrink that by around 30% in order to cut costs by a massive $6 billion in the next few years. Now, from a business perspective, this decision is a smart response to the tough market conditions we've been seeing. There's been a slowdown in deals and less demand for investment banking services. But it's not just about saving money. UBS is also thinking smartly about how to run things more efficiently by streamlining their operations and making the most of their resources so they can focus on keeping their strong areas afloat. But look, this isn't just about UBS though. This kind of restructuring is happening across the investment banking world and it fits into a bigger picture of investment banking struggles worldwide with less deal making happening. That's pushing banks on Wall Street to make tough decisions like cutting jobs and freezing hiring. UBS is showing that they're on top of their game, taking steps to manage risks, ensure financial stability, and keep investors feeling confident in a changing economic landscape. As for things here in the States, the pressure is on for big lenders as U.S. bank stocks took a serious hit after Moody's lowered the rating for 10 small and medium-sized lenders. Notable losses included a 4.6 drop for M&T Bank at the start of this week and a 3% drop for Capital One. The real concern, however, was that they also hinted at the possibility of downgrading major players, including U.S. Bank Corp., Bank of New York Mellon, State Street, and Truist Financial. Their primary concerns behind the shakeup included higher funding costs, regulatory capital issues, and greater risks tied to commercial real estate. Remember, rising interest rates have led to higher deposit costs and increased funding expenses for financial institutions. And at the same time, these higher rates have reduced the value of banks' assets, making it more challenging for commercial real estate borrowers to refinance their debts. Over time, a situation like this has the potential to weaken the overall financial health of these lenders. And for borrowers, this means it could become more difficult to access credit, which could in turn shape the course of future economic growth. Along a similar vein, even though a formal recession hasn't been declared, companies across major industries have announced they are, quote, already in a recession. Executives from different companies, including manufacturing, chemicals, transportation, tech, and real estate, have acknowledged that they are already feeling the economic strain. Usually, this is referred to as a rolling recession, where various parts of the economy shrink at different times. Some industries, like services, remain relatively positive, while others, like manufacturing, are indicating difficulties. And that's exactly what we've been seeing over the last few months. 
although overall corporate profits are declining, they're still reasonably good. So why might this be a good thing? Well, experts suggest that small sector-specific recessions could potentially prevent a widespread economic downturn. If too many industries experience a recession simultaneously, it could lead to more serious economic challenges. You may be thinking, okay, Steve, what types of challenges should I be looking out for? Well, sector-specific challenges could lead to job losses, reduced consumer spending, shifts in property values, and potential impacts on borrowing costs and financial investments. But more importantly, the broader impact on global competitiveness, supply chains, and government policies could further shape the economic outlook. So this might be a good time for those of you listening to monitor and adapt your financial strategy. But before you hit that panic button, let me remind you, economic ups and downs are part of the natural business cycle. Governments and central banks have the tools to implement policies that can stabilize the economy and mitigate the impacts of downturns like these and restore the stability of the economy. But it takes time. And last but not least, remember that not all industries are affected in the same way. So there's still room for some parts of the economy to shine. Our global economies are pretty resilient. They've bounced back before and they will likely do it again. The best you could do right now is stay informed, increase your financial intelligence and make decisions based on the bigger picture. Moving on to some European news this week, the European Central Bank published a survey detailing what consumers are expecting in the next year as far as inflation goes. People's predictions for rising prices in the euro area went down in June, but they're still higher than what the European Central Bank wants. In the latest monthly survey, the ECB said expectations for prices to go up in the next year fell from 3.9% in May to 3.4% in June. In contrast, three-year inflation predictions dropped minimally from 2.5% to 2.3%. This is only a small insight though, as the survey results come just ahead of an important meeting in September where the ECB will decide whether to raise interest rates for the 10th time in a row or to take a break. Now, recent research by the ECB has shown that the main measure they're watching for inflation might have gone down, but at the same time, other signs in the market suggest that prices might go up a lot more in the next few years. How can we be sure? Well, a measure of future inflation went to its highest point since 2010 on Monday, which could mean prices will rise by an average of 2.67% between 2028 and 2033. So even though it might take until 2025 for prices to reach the target set by the ECB, they are expected to slow down later this year, or at least that's what the ECB chief economist Philip Lane said he thinks. I've said it before and I'll say it again, it's a balancing act for the ECB trying to manage inflation carefully without throwing off the broader economic momentum. And moving on to other business news, we learned this week that Paulo Pisani, previously a key figure at SoftBank, has taken on a significant role as a managing partner at Valor Capital. Pisani's new role will focus on overseeing Valor's growth equity division, specifically targeting promising young or small-scale companies. His move underscores a resurgent in interest in growth investments within private markets, where demand for capital has recently outpaced its supply, leading to what Pisani terms as a defrosting effect. 
Simply put, that means that as growth investments gain steam again, they could lead to some pretty substantial changes in how companies choose to do business, including consolidation and cost reduction efforts. Right now, we know of eight companies that Valor works with who are currently in discussions about acquisitions or potential mergers. And it's not just talk though, Valor's move to promote Carlos Costa to partner in charge of FinTech investments also makes complete sense. With Costa in charge of FinTech investments, it looks like Valor is continuing on with their vision to leverage the transformative potential of artificial intelligence driven innovations. With Costa in charge of FinTech investments, it looks like Valor is continuing on with their vision to leverage the transformative potential of artificial intelligence-driven innovations. And since they've made notable investments in companies like Bitso, Coinbase, Loft, Sammy, and Stoneco, it looks like they're in the right spot to make the most of new ideas and tech trends in finance. Last but not least, you may have already heard, but it would be crazy not to mention the unprecedented milestone that we crossed in the US this week. And that's the fact that credit card balances in the United States have surged past $1 trillion for the first time ever. The second quarter witnessed credit card balances growing by $45 billion to cross that threshold and reach $1.03 trillion. While a number like that is pretty striking, the scary part is that along with the surge, delinquency rates have also rebounded to levels we haven't seen since before the pandemic. So what exactly is causing this increase in spending power and debt accumulation? Well, one reason, according to the New York Fed economists, despite economic challenges such as rising interest rates and post-pandemic inflation, there actually isn't much evidence that consumers are feeling much financial pressure. So they say, right? Now, over the last decade, Americans accumulated over $1 trillion in combined credit card and auto loan debt, while U.S. household debt rose marginally to $17.06 trillion, which was notably influenced by things like mortgage balances. And if you're wondering if interest rate hikes are playing a part in pushing those balances up, you're absolutely right. The Federal Reserve report highlighted an all-time high credit card interest rate of 22.2% in May with over 70 million new credit card accounts initiated since the start of the pandemic. Other contributors include auto loan balances, which surged by $20 billion, and mortgage balances, which comprised over 70% of total household debt. The recent growth in credit card debt really paints a picture of evolving consumer borrowing behavior. Specifically, the uptick in total household debt, largely driven by mortgage balances, indicates sustained borrowing trends. One thing's for sure, statistics like these shouldn't be ignored or feared because they paint a nuanced picture of consumer credit behavior and show us the interconnectedness of economic factors, policy measures, and individual financial decisions when it comes to shaping the current borrowing landscape. Now, as I've mentioned before, if you're an individual and you're listening to this and you're freaking out thinking, oh my gosh, like the world is collapsing, the economy is falling apart, remember there are always economic ups and downs, but this is the time for you to shine. If you increase your financial intelligence, you can take the power back by making better decisions in regards to your financial life. That's why I do Fin Weekly, and that's why I provide the app, the Boosting Your Financial IQ app, and I do the podcast. I provide all this content and all these resources to help you to make better financial decisions. 
So during times like these, there are opportunities all around us. We just have to know what to look for. Remember, when things go down and prices fall, that could be a great opportunity for us to pick up investments that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do because the returns just weren't there. So I think it's a great opportunity to boost your financial IQ, really understand what's happening in the world of finance and the economy so when opportunities come your way, you can spot them and you can take advantage of them. So don't be fear-stricken. Okay, that's what the media wants you to believe. They want you to hear all this stuff and just be fearful and not do anything. Okay, don't act on fear. It's a very dangerous situation. Instead, use this information, educate yourself so you can understand what the trends are and when it's the right time to act. For small business owners, now is a very important time to revisit your strategy. If you do not have a strategy for your business, Okay, I mean a solid strategy, not just a strategy that involves strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, or threats, you know, the whole SWAT type framework that is so outdated, or strategy doesn't consist of just having your mission, vision, and values uh, proclaimed. Instead, a good strategy will help you to clearly identify the strategic problem your company is facing, what the shared vision is, your go-to-market strategy, your competitive behavior, and the resources and returns by pursuing different strategic options. Remember, having clear initiatives, and I'd say no more than three to five initiatives for your business is super critical, but you have to make sure you're pursuing the right initiatives, especially during these economic times. So if you're an entrepreneur, now is a great time to revisit your strategy, get your financial house in order, make sure you have a rolling forecast in place so you can have a view of what's to come. And when you have these tools in place, the KPIs, the strategy, the rolling forecast, all these things combined, you're gonna feel empowered to make better decisions. And look, there could be opportunities for mergers and acquisitions or new business ventures, and I just believe the future is bright, but you have to be prepared and you have to have the skill sets and capabilities in order to take advantage of these opportunities. Okay, so don't be fearful. Just use this information as power, power to act. That's really what it comes down to. Okay, that's it for Fin Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. And I hope that you have a great week. You learn a ton of new things. You try different experiences and you invest in your own personal growth. Until next time, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick. If you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.